Welcome to Preheated, kitchen wisdom and friendly chat from two friends who love to bake. I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. And I'm Stefan Cohn in London. Every week we celebrate the successes, failures, learning and laughs that go hand in hand with baking for those we love. This month we're giving ourselves the royal treatment and first up is the cake Queen Elizabeth loves so much she travels with it. We'll also celebrate Stefan's one-year anniversary in London with a look back at what she's learned and what she's loved. And we'll see how much Britishness I've absorbed from afar. So grab yourself some coffee and get ready for some sweet talk. Andrea, are you ready for this royal month? <laughs> oh no, I didn't know I would need my accent. I've just offended every single one of our, our British listeners. So sorry, folks. <laughs> we are so excited to be kicking off this month that seems tailor-made for having one host in the U.S. and one host in the U.K., much like Prince Harry and Ms. Meghan Markle about to be married. We thought we would do a whole month of all things royal. We have been naming ourselves with our our duchess and our princess names. We have <laughs> been thinking about uh, royal titles and royal food and talking about elderflower. Andrea also noticing that Kate, Duchess Kate, excuse me, uh, was recently cited, yes, shopping at Waitrose. Have you heard this news? <laughs> no, I didn't know that. She has been visiting my favorite London grocery store. Well, she wasn't in London branch. She was in Norfolk, which oh. is uh, on the east coast of the country. Okay. But, okay. yes, Kate shopping. Now, apparently, grocery shopping is something Kate has always loved to do. In fact, just days after her wedding in 2011, she was out at the shops grocery shopping. She's tried to kind of maintain that throughout her marriage, which is a new newer thing for the royals to be doing kind of daily daily chores, I guess. So she, of course, probably by the time this episode airs, she's probably had her third baby. So she was very pregnant when she visited the store and was loading up her cart with all those yummy waitrosy things. I mean, of course, of course, that's where she was, right? Well, I'm sure she had read the Waitrose Weekly, as yes. I do, or the the April or the May magazine and gotten lots of inspiration and, you know, just couldn't help herself. Who was the president that went shopping in the United States? And it caused such a drama because he didn't know, for example, like how the scanner worked. And I think he thought a banana was going to be like 8 or $10. What? <laughs> Is that ringing a bell? Okay. One banana? <laughs> I'm going to have to look that up. That Maybe that was something in a fiction book I read. I'll, I'll look that up and do some follow-up on that. I seem to remember some something really funny about a U.S. president doing some grocery shopping, and it reminded me of that when you said Kate was doing her own grocery shopping, and it is shocking. I can't imagine what I would think if I was in line and I saw her there just like, you know, squeezing a melon and picking up a tomato. <laughs> yeah, they were showing her pictures. Someone in the store had taken pictures on their on their phone and of course they're all very shocked and it reported that Kate was wearing kind of a salmony pink coat, black skinny jeans and black boots in a low-key shopping outfit oh. and that she was seen loading her own groceries into her well, uh, Land Rover. And I think she had security detail, but they have to keep their hands free, oh. which is I'm mm. sure why they can't mm. help her with her groceries, of course. You know how it goes. 
You know, one of the good things about not being famous is that no one's taking pictures of me as I'm doing my grocery shopping and commenting on my clothing choices. So, in your low your low key shopping outfit? Yeah. No, come on. <laughs> I think my low key is different than Kate's. Yeah, I, I, it turns out all I have is low-key shopping outfits. There's no okay. other option. Uh, speaking, though, of elderflower, you mentioned elderflower, and I know you had put a post on our Facebook group talking about elderflower and making sure we knew a little bit about yes. it because it is uh, so ubiquitous and normal over there in Britain. And I think I saw listener um, Andrea jumped in and said it's very common in Sweden as well. yes. But it is not common over here in the U.S., and I've had a couple of people touching base with me to find out where they can get it. And so I just wanted to put out a little PSA, public service announcement, based on my history. That is, when you know a big event is coming up that many, many people are going to celebrate, do not wait to get something that is going to be difficult to get. And I will give you my example, which is back when we had the eclipse that was in late August. And it was, you know, 100% totality. Oh, right. And it was right south of us in Olympia. We were able to go to a friend's house in Lyons, Oregon and see it, which was about a four-hour drive uh, without traffic. Turned out it took about three times that long, but that's a story for another day. <laughs> but my point is, I knew I would need Eclipse sunglasses. And I remember seeing them at a Lowe's hardware store. I think they were four for a dollar. And I thought, oh yeah, I got to grab those. And I remember seeing them at you know the local convenience store at the checkout. And I thought, yeah, I got to grab those. And I probably even saw them on Amazon and thought, oh, yeah, I should click. Yeah. Didn't do any of that. And lo and behold, about three days before the eclipse, I thought, oh, yeah, I got to get those sunglasses. And I spent those next three days in a complete and total agonizing frenzy of trying to find them. They were not available anywhere. I went to probably five different Lowe's locations. It almost ruined a little weekend, you know, getaway trip that we were doing because instead of being at the beach and hanging out and having fun, I was, you know, haunting every Lowe's and convenience store. Yeah, you're you're scrambling all around. Yeah. And so I just thought to myself, I'm not going to do this again. I took my own advice Back in December, I love Advent season. I love Advent calendars. And I had spent some time in October with you, and I knew your children liked Legos. And so the minute I saw there was a Lego Advent calendar, I ordered it. <laughs> I thought, okay, this is this is an example of one of those things that you think to yourself, oh, I'll pick it up anytime. And then all of a sudden, you know, you go on November 27th to get one, and they're not available. So I did that, and I was so proud of myself. And this is another time when we're going to do this with this elderflower. So today, after we record, I'm going to go to my local Cost Plus because listener Christy has told me that she saw it on their website. Is it called Cost Plus or World Market? I think it's called Cost Plus World Market. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you had them all. <laughs> had to pause for a moment and think, am I even telling you the right store? She saw it on their website, so I'm going to go to the store and see if they have it. I'm also going to swing by the Total Wine and More, which is kind of our big distributor wine store, and see if they have it. And I am going to buy it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's great advice. You don't want to be disappointed. And even though it is everywhere here, it's not a bad idea for me to get a jump on and go stock up. I might actually have some in the fridge right now. The other thing is, Andrea, that 
do you see these? They're everywhere in like every little convenience store here in London. They're like the cutout face mask of famous people. And so like they have all the royals. They have Princess Diana. They have presidents. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I thought that would be really fun for a wedding party yes. you can pass those out and I kept the same thing you know oh they're everywhere there's so many well I'm not the only person who might be having a royal wedding watching party so <laughs> best do it now yes because you're gonna run out of Megan faces <laughs> Me- <laughs> Megan Prince Philip I mean think of all these things I have to stock up on for the for the royal guests yeah it's a great point and I think, too, in the U.S., since it is more rare, the suppliers may not have put in enough supply in time or there might be a real run on it. Yeah. Listener Lydia, I think, had posted about some places to find that as well. So if you scroll back through the Facebook posts, uh, you might get some tips there, too. Speaking of listeners, I want to give a quick shout out to some of our listeners who really embraced Citrus Month wholeheartedly. So back in April, we were baking with citrus all month long, and we got some great posts in our Facebook group, Preheated. Amy made a shaker lemon pie. Yay! Jennifer made a couple of things with blood oranges, which I have not used before to bake. So I thought those turned out really well. She made a blood orange pavlova and some chocolate orange scones. And then listener Renee made some Meyer lemon curd. And I mentioned on there, curd is on my list. I have just got to make some because people seem to be making it left and right. And I feel very, very left out. It's your year of the curd. It is. Maybe I should make some elderflower curd. Who knows? Um, She also made a lemon yogurt cake that looked really good. And then, although it was not Citrus Month, she mentioned that she had made a sesame swirl tea cake. And listener Margie jumped in and said she had done that as well. Now, Stefan, I have never baked with tahini. How about you? I haven't. And in fact, I trolled through my cupboard after I saw that post and lo and behold I have a can of tahini you know bought one time ago for hummus used quarter cup and it's been sitting there ever since and I thought that was a great use for it you know if you have a peanut allergy but not necessarily a sesame allergy that's a really nice substitute I love the flavor of that I think that's one I'm gonna try as well yeah, I have tahini. I use it when I make my hummus, as you mentioned. Yep. But I also use it in salad dressings. I really love to make a tahini salad dressing or like a tahini dip oh. for vegetables. So I'm excited to kind of use it in a sweet treat because it's definitely something I think about from the savory side, but I hadn't thought about using it for sweets. Mm. So thanks to all of our listeners. We love it when you guys are baking and posting on our Facebook page. We love seeing what you're doing and where you're getting your recipes from. It's really fun for us. It is, and it, it's so supportive. It's so nice to see people supporting and telling each other, that looks gorgeous. It looks so good. It's it's so nice. I love it. Yes. Yeah. Well, Andrea, it's time for the first recipe of this royal month. And of course, we're going to start at the top with Her Royal Highness Queen Elizabeth II, the longest serving monarch in British history, if not world history. I think that might be, uh, might be a little piece of trivia there. Now, Andrea, when you think of the queen, uh, I'm not sure what you might think about her eating habits, but I had a little trivia. We're going to talk about this next episode in more depth, but um, the queen apparently is not a foodie. What? <laughs> Shocker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she follows a fairly uh, strict diet. She isn't a big starch person, so no potatoes, no pasta, but she, she does love her chocolate. Mm. And her favorite cake is called a chocolate biscuit cake, and you had actually found a version of this, the first go-round. Tell us how you stumbled across this. 
Yeah, so um, back in January, I saw on the bookshelves at my local bookstore, on the magazine shelves, a Bake From Scratch magazine. They're the ones who have the hashtag, the bake feed, and I really like their magazine. And lo and behold, the January-February issue is called the British issue. So, of course, I snatched it right up. Um, There on the cover, it had 72 recipes and ways to bake like a Brit. (laughs) It has baking with tea, which made me think about our um, Earl Grey shortbread cookies. Absolutely. And then on the bottom, the Queen's favorite cake and why we are obsessed, too. (laughs) So as you mentioned, um, it's got a great article in there with a recipe, and it talks about the fact that her affection for this cake goes so deep that she won't travel without it. So her personal chef follows behind her wherever she goes, uh, whether it's Windsor Castle or anywhere else, and uh, travels with a tin packed full of this chocolate biscuit (laughs) cake. So I just thought to myself, well... Um, if it's that good that this woman who's really not even a foodie has to travel with it and have it at all times, then I think we're going to need to make it. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. Um, I did want to ask you for recommendations. Obviously, it's a chocolate biscuit cake. So mm. remind me and help me out on the biscuits. What am I looking for? Well, it's called chocolate biscuit, but the biscuits themselves are plain, rich tea biscuits. I think you're going to be able to find those. Again, Cost Plus would be a good place to look, even like the Fred Meyer Kroger chain in their international foods. These are pretty Mm -hmm. prevalent now. I'm sure Amazon would have them as well. They are just a fairly plain, not too sweet cookie with a pretty firm texture. So if you couldn't find these, Nilla Wafer might be a good substitute. Yeah, in this particular recipe in this magazine, they said, I noticed that for the brand name, they use McVitie's. And that made me think back to when I went to that cooking class at the Grains Conference, and we made some whole wheat digestive biscuits, and everyone said, oh, this is like a homemade McVitie's, and you told me all about McVitie's. So it's exactly right, yes. And since then, I have been keeping an eye open at my store, and definitely I know Cost Plus World Market stocks McVitie's, as well as my local, like, Hagen, Top Food, um, my Thriftway, the the Kroger chain. So I don't think people are going to have trouble finding these, but I do agree if you really couldn't find one, or if for some reason you didn't like that flavor, a Nilla Wafer would be a good way to go. I think so, too. And this cake strikes me as like an icebox cake, Andrea. You know those cakes you make with like a chocolate wafer cookie or a graham cracker. And I think a a true icebox cake is then covered in whipping cream. And you let it sit for a while. It gets Mm -hmm. softer. And then you you cut into it. You know what it also kind of reminds me of? Have you ever made – I've made these at Easter. You take those crunchy Chinese noodles and you cover them in chocolate and you make little nests. No, I've never done that. Like with the ramen type noodles? They are, what are they called? They are really deep fried. Huh. They're like a garnish, a crunchy, crunchy noodle. Oh, I do know what you're talking about. Yeah, no, I've never done that. What a great idea. That's super easy and, and really delicious. And I thought this this cake seemed a little reminiscent of that to me as well. There are a few language things I just wanted to point out. And this recipe comes from Her Royal Highness's royal chef, a former royal chef, now a former personal chef, rather, now a a royal chef. And I loved his quote here, Andrea. He says, it is her favorite cake that she eats until it is all gone. Royals, they're just like us, Andrea. (laughs) (laughs) You mean they they clean their plate. Her mother raised her to clean her plate as well. I love it. So his name is Darren McGrady, and he has this, this recipe that we're using. So I think the ingredients are all fairly straightforward, nothing too shocking there. 
the first thing, though, Andrea, he says to lightly grease a six-inch by two-and-a-half-inch cake ring. I Hmm. certainly don't have a cake ring. You know what I think that is, is like the spring out part of your springform pan, the part that goes around and then can pop off. I think you're right. I noticed when I was looking at the sweet cookbook from Ottolinghi, they use cake rings a lot. I think they typically use the smaller size, the two to three inch size. But do you think I have to, I don't really want to go buy a six inch cake ring. (laughs) Nope. I already thought what I'm going to do here. I don't even have a six inch cake pan. Well, I have a seven-inch um, springform. So my smallest is seven also, yes. Okay. So, yeah, I think springform works great. I What I'm going to do, because my springform is quite large, mm-hmm. I'm going to butter parchment with an overhang. And then, because what you're doing here is pressing this chocolatey, biscuity, and okay. you're really forming it until it then firms back up again. Okay. And then you're cutting it. So I think you just don't want it to – Put it in something that's going to get stuck. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Because you want it to come out. Okay. So that was the first thing. Just be aware of that. You're you're melting some chocolate. You're breaking up those biscuits and then creaming butter and sugar, putting that all together. There is an egg here that is not cooked. If that's a concern for you, maybe leave that out. Use a pasteurized egg product. I think what it's doing is just some extra binding, but it's never cooked. It is raw. And then you're pouring uh, more melted chocolate over the top of the cake and eating that in small and very dignified (laughs) bites because this serves 10. It seems tiny to be serving 10 people, but I, you know, I have to take very, very royal bites, I guess. Must be a sliver. Yeah. Like back when we made that peanut butter pie, remember how rich that was? So So maybe this is going to be that same way. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, So we will link to this recipe. It is actually a link that was on the Today Show, uh, the U.S. television show. And that's Queen Elizabeth's favorite cake from her former personal chef, Darren McGrady. Listeners, it has been about a year since Stefan embarked on what I like to think of as one of her greatest adventures, moving from Seattle over to London. And I don't know about you guys, but I have just loved living vicariously through (laughs) her as she's going through all of these things, which are so different. So I thought it would be really fun to do a follow-up on your one-year-later anniversary in London, what you've learned and kind of what you have to share with us. One of the first things I was wondering about way back on episode 38, International Connection, which is where we were talking about getting set up in your new home, you mentioned your ovens. Now, you've mentioned a couple of times that the ovens there are smaller and you've had to get smaller pans, so we already knew about that. But I was specifically thinking about you mentioned that the oven that you have in London is a dual oven, which you'd never had before, mm-hmm. and that one of the ovens converts to a microwave. So I am curious <laughs> if you ever ended up using that or if you now are just so addicted to dual ovens. And when you get back to Seattle, you're going to have to try and figure out how to have one at home. So give us that oven update, Stefan. So the top oven is even smaller than the bottom oven, and it converts somehow to a microwave. It's a very low wattage microwave. It doesn't go over 1,000 watts. And I think ones in the States are maybe 12 or 15. So it's it's fairly low power. Mm-hmm. We do, we have used both ovens at the same time. I love that. Also what I love is they preheat very quickly because they're small, and they're also both convection ovens. Oh, okay. And so they come up to temp really fast, and I love that. The, the convection has been a learning process Mm -hmm. having to adjust cooking time and temperature it's i'm getting much better at it but i still have to keep a really close Mm -hmm. eye 
on on that. Yeah. Mm, okay, interesting. And then your stovetop was, I think, back in Seattle, you had a gas stovetop. Yeah. And in London, you have the infrared, kind of that flat stovetop that, you know, it starts out black and it turns red. Um, how is that going? That, I here's what I love about that. It cleans so easy. It is such a breeze oh, to yeah. clean, right? There's no coils. There's not, no grates, nothing. You just literally are sponging it down. The variation in temperature is not as great as the control I get using a gas flame where I can adjust it more to my liking. It's I have to punch in numbers from zero to nine. Oh, okay. As far as a heat goes. And I don't I don't like them. Like their seven is not what I think seven should be, for example, you know? Okay. Well, that's interesting too, because in my head, stovetop directions often go from high, medium, high, medium, medium, low, low. Yes. And so then trying to do the math of yes. how that marks out to zero through nine would be a little bit yeah, tricky. Yeah, exactly. It does boil water really fast. That's nice. It has this feature that does that. I So I'd say the thing I love the most is how easy it is to clean, but I do miss, I do miss my gas stove. Okay, well, it sounds like you've adjusted to a lot of new appliances fairly successfully. <laughs> How about um, something a little lower tech and just your your palate, your taste buds? How have you and your family? How have your tastes changed? Do you find that you're eating really different foods there? Are you finding that there's things you ate all the time in the U.S. that you never eat in the U.K.? Kind of talk about how your tastes have changed in the time that you've been there. Yeah, they definitely have changed, and that's been so much fun. I mean, this elderflower is a really good example. That is not a flavor that we had any experience with. We all really love it, my daughter especially. It's everywhere. Passion fruit's another flavor that's really, really big here. Even things that are like passion fruit yogurt passion fruit drink you know it's just everywhere not just the actual fruit itself and that's really nice and fun I think in general food here is less salty and less sweet mm -hmm. so even when I go out to a restaurant I'm often salting my food for better or for worse right and that's never something I do in the U.S. like usually the food is way too way too salty when I go out to eat too salty in a restaurant and you'll even notice that in canned products so for example I buy like a pasta sauce or canned beans and they will be very very low sodium even though they're not they're they're not called that here mm -hmm. that's a big difference I think they use a lot more artificial sweeteners than we do in the U.S. And partly that's because they have a tax on sugar. And so uh, lots of the manufacturers will use a sucralose or a stevia or different things. But they don't have to report it on the label in the same way. And so oh. I've become really, really extra good at reading labels and making sure that the ingredients are in line with what I want to eat and, and the tastes that I like. So that's that's been a difference. We don't eat as much meat, probably. We eat more veggies. We eat uh, more chicken. I guess we don't eat as much red meat, I would say. Okay, yeah. It's not that barbecue, bur burgers barbecue environment. It's not. You know, we miss our barbecue. We didn't bring that. It kind of, we're not sure if that's something we want to invest in since, you know, it's like snowing. Yeah. It was snowing earlier this <laughs> month. Like, it's just kind of not the luau, luau lounge here. You know, we've talked uh, before about other ingredients that I haven't been able to find. And and one thing that I do miss making is uh, brownies. I have yeah. not made a pan of brownies in a year. Oh, my goodness. I know. How have I survived? And you'll see them here, like in bakeries or at tea shops, and they're not brown. I don't know what they are. They're chocolate. 
they're chocolate and sweet, but they're, yeah. So, and that just comes down to, Andrea, I think the butter is fattier. The flour is, is it more gluten or less gluten? I haven't figured out Mm -hmm. how it's different. But even if I follow a tried and true recipe for my chocolate chip cookies, for my brownies, it's not the same somehow. Interesting. So I do miss that. Huh. When I'm back in the States, I, I hope to Watch make out. pan after pan after pan of brownie. <laughs> I will be visiting a lot. <laughs> okay. Um, the final thing I was curious about is uh, when you moved to London, you guys did not bring a car. Yeah. So I'm guessing you're weekly, you know, driving to the grocery store and stocking up. I know you're such a planner. I'm guessing you always had your meals planned out in in advance. In fact, I, I think I'm recalling one time when I visited you, you had your month meal plan on your refrigerator and I just gazed at it longingly and thought, what would it be like to be this organized? <laughs> um, but so how has that changed things? Not having a car, not driving to kind of the big grocery store and doing the stock up? Yeah. In general, I don't miss my car one bit, which is a big surprise to me. There's been maybe two days that I can vividly remember just thinking, I really miss my car. The weather was horrible and just kids were sick or the, you know there was a, like a lot of things going yeah. on, but not specific to grocery shopping. What it has made me do is be even more focused because we get usually one grocery delivery. That's just how things go here for big shops in London and that's great, but then I'm constantly supplementing. Mm -hmm. uh, portions are smaller and Things like fruit and vegetable especially come in small packs, mm -hmm. uh, prepackaged like a plastic container. And so we're constantly running out of things like berries or apples because they come four to a, a packet, things oh, like that. Okay. And, you know, in the States, I was always buying my own kind of in that bulk mentality, right. right? Like I need a bunch of apples this week. Here's a dozen apples, whatever it was. So there's one big delivery and then we supplement three or four times with just small shops. I use my trolley. Have I posted a picture of my shopping trolley on pre on the preheated side? I can't remember. You see those everywhere. I know you posted your shopping trolley on your personal Facebook page, but I don't okay. think it's in the preheated Facebook group. I would love it if you would put it in there because I just love your shopping trolley. I think it's so great. I do too. It's covered in cherries. It's so whimsical. I love it. So yeah, I've just taken to always having a shopping bag with me so that I can, mm -hmm. if I pass a grocery store, I mean, that's the wonderful thing. There are grocery stores dotted everywhere. I can easily walk if I'm dropping my son at school, if I'm going to the library. Mm -hmm. There's there's always a place to stop in for that kind of stuff. So Well, it sounds like you've really adjusted well. So thank you for sharing that with us. And Aww. I look forward to your return to the States for many reasons. But now, especially, I'm going to add to the list the brownie extravaganza that's going to happen when you get back. I can't <laughs> wait. Oh, my goodness. I'll just be eating brownies nonstop. <laughs> well, Andrea, I am going to turn the tables now. And oh, no. Listeners, <laughs> listeners, you may remember that when I first announced I was moving to London, uh, this was last May, uh, that was back in episode 25, Andrea gave me a quiz on all things Brit in advance of, of that move. And so we're going to see now how much Andrea has absorbed by having podcasting partner and friend in uh, in England. So are you ready? I'm ready. But you know, this makes me realize it's so much fun to give a quiz. But when you're the, <laughs> the one on <laughs> the receiving the end, the okay, the, you're going to be fine. The anxiety is building. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, we're going to start. We're going to start super easy. Okay, question one. We love our Waitrose. But of course, there are many other grocery stores to shop at in the UK. 
But which one of these is not a grocery store in London? Is it Tesco, Sainsbury's, or Faro and Ball? Faro and Ball, I think, is a paint store. <laughs> That's correct. It is okay, a Jewish institution, but they don't sell groceries. They sell paint and wallpaper, and they're known for their whimsical names for their colors. Yes. Oh, okay, okay. See, here you go. All right. Ding, confidence. Ding. You're confidence growing. Okay. Tesco and Sainsbury's are two of the many great grocery stores in this city. So, yes. Yes, and your daughter took me to Tesco for dinner one night. So, I remember that's, it fondly. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Was that the night you fed them Boston cream pie and uh, nothing hey, else? Hey, when you get free babysitting, don't judge. Oh, no, no. Okay? You're the best babysitter they ever have. Yes, they were saying, is Andrea coming back? Is Andrea coming back? Okay, okay, you're doing great. Okay, number two, question two. Which important holiday is celebrated in May in the U.S., but in March in the U.K.? And bonus if you know which one Stefan chose to celebrate this year. Okay, I think I've got this one. So the holiday would be Mother's Day. That's correct. And you chose to celebrate in the UK. Yes. And the reason I know this (laughs) is because (laughs) our daughters follow each other on social media and my daughter woke up in a panic in whatever day that was in March and said, oh my gosh, it's Mother's Day. I didn't know. I'm so sorry, Mommy. I I didn't do anything. And I said, what are you talking about? It is not Mother's Day. And she showed me your daughter's post where she was celebrating Mother's Day. And so I sent your daughter a private message thinking, oh, poor thing. She is confused. (laughs) I said, just curious. Are you actually celebrating? And she said yes. And so then, of course, you explained to me that the holidays are different. Yeah, I don't know why that is. It's kind of nice, though. So they call it Mothering Sunday here. It was uh, March 11th. And then, of course, it's coming up next weekend for uh, all the U.S. mothers. But you're a little – so you are correct. It is Mother's Day. But I will only give you half a point for the bonus because I chose to celebrate in both places. So (laughs) I will also be celebrating in May. I deserve that half a point because the minute I said that you chose to celebrate the UK, in my head I was thinking, but wait, why would you choose? I mean, let's go with both. It's it's both. The correct answer is both. Okay. Okay. Excellent. That's right. All right. Question number three. Which British celebrity chef did not release a cookbook in 2017? Was it Jamie Oliver, Delia Smith, or Nigella Lawson? Uh Uh-oh. Well... I mean, I know all of those authors, right. but I don't know which – so which one did not release a cookbook? I'll go with Delia, just, I don't know, because that's who I'm going to pick. That's exactly right. So yes. the doyen of British cooking, she is very famous, has had a very long and storied career. Delia Smith controversially said in November that the cookbook is dead and I will not write another – Now that so many recipes are online, we don't need any more on our shelves. My goodness, Delia. Wow. That is shocking. Yeah. But both Nigella and Jamie released two excellent cookbooks. Jamie's was called Five Ingredients. It's Good Food Fast. And Nigella's is called At My Table. And I have them both. And I'm going to talk more about Nigella's book. I just think she's a great writer. That's a wonderful cookbook. It came with a BBC series to go along with it. That was really nice to see. And Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, I might see if I can get that one here too. And I love 
recipes that are five ingredients or less. So I might try and find Jamie's as well. Thank yeah. you. Also, did you notice how I just said Delia? I didn't even need her last name. You're just because you're such a you're such an honorary. I'm such Brit. a Brit. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you are. Okay, last question, and you're gonna nail this one too. British foods can have whimsical names. For example, Toad in the Hole. It's sausages baked in a pancake batter-like dough. Lancashire Hot Pot is lamb stew with potato topping. Bubble and Squeak is a combination of mashed potatoes, sprouts, and cabbage. (laughs) And Spotted Dick, as you were explaining in last episode, is a steamed pudding with raisins or currants. Mm -hmm. But Andrea, you tell me, what is an Eaton mess? Huh. Okay. Eaton is a school, correct? Yes, indeed. And so I'm imagining a boarding school with hungry kids who would, for some reason, find a food called an Eaton mess appealing. It already <laughs> violates one of my recipe naming yes. rules. Right. Um, I'm guessing kind of a, a, a hash, sort of a... I mean, I typically think of a corned beef hash, but any sort of, I'm thinking kind of a breakfast hash type item. Oh, wow. Okay. No. (laughs) (laughs) I am not ready to move to London. I think you will actually like an Eaton mess. It is a dessert. It is broken meringues with strawberries and cream, and it's commonly attributed to, yes, Eaton College, so... You did. Okay. Yes, you had All that right. correct. Huh. But yeah. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, uh, there's something, a variation called a Lansing mess. And that's from Sussex, which I know mm-hmm. is your favorite region of England now because yes. of our Sussex pond pudding. And in Lansing, they use bananas in place of the strawberries, which would also be delicious. I'm going to just knight you or call you a Dame Andrea Ballard now because you passed this with flying colors. Congratulations. Thank you. I am very happy to have passed that. And I now have a new idea. Perhaps we should do a month on boarding school desserts. And we could find (laughs) the famous desserts from all of the local institutions. So, you know, tuck that away. Let's think about that. All right. Okay. I mean, the good ideas, they never stop. That's right. Well, thank you for doing that for me. That was fun. I have really enjoyed your first year in London. I can't wait to hear what you have up your sleeve for this next year and especially all the travels that you're able to do, which I know is a big part of the reason you guys chose to make this huge move. So we are really enjoying everything that you're doing, and I just can't wait for it to continue. Oh, that's so sweet, and you've been such a support, and so have all the preheaters, and I can't believe, I cannot believe it's the first year. I can't. Yeah. Time flies. And speaking of, the timer has buzzed and we've got to get this episode onto the cooling rack. Next week, we'll see if Queen Elizabeth's chocolate biscuit cake is worth risking overweight luggage charges for. And we'll try our hand at certain lemon elderflower cake just in time for the royal wedding on 19 May. We'll also have some fun and fascinating trivia about British royalty and the food they eat. Thanks so much to Anne-Marie Russell for providing our theme music. You can find Anne-Marie at annemarierussell.com and on Amazon or iTunes. Remember, you can find us and our featured recipes on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, and on Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, and Twitter, where we're at Preheated Pod. If you like our show, please tell a friend and consider ranking and reviewing us on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, or wherever you download our show. Until next time, I'm Duchess Caroline Coco Grand in London. 
And I'm Lady Ruth Beatrice Beaumare in Olympia, Washington. Thanks for listening and sweet dreams. Preheated is written, performed, and edited by Andrea Ballard and Stefan Cohn in association with 24th Floor Productions.